Hi guys, how's it going? I hope it's good. I'll never know what you say. Um, so today, I don't know how this is going to go. I didn't do very much. I don't want to say I didn't prepare very much for this episode, but I didn't. I didn't think too hard. I mean, I thought, but I wasn't super planning. So let's see how it goes. Let's see how we do. Let's see what happens. It's definitely going to be a different kind of episode, sort of. Um, but before we get into the topic of today, I want to just like do a little catch up, do a little, do a little peep, uh, weekly recap, emotional head recap, recap, you know, all the things. Um, so this week I saw the new Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, it's across because the first one was into across the Spider-Verse. Please go see it. <laughs> I'm sure you don't need anyone else telling you to go see it, but it is truly the magnum opus of animation. I hope that's how you say that. I've got my coffee today. It is a oat milk latte, oat milk latte with almond and white chocolate. And it is great. Um, also this week, I have been fully in my Rosalia obsession fantasy yet again. And this week we have... Melamente, Melamente, Melamente. Uh, that has been on repeat all week. So listen to Melamente by Rosalia and her whole discography because she's amazing. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else I should recap you on, but I think that's it. So welcome back to Happy Thoughts, my place and space for positivity good vibes all the things like that that are good and i don't know what episode number this is but we're getting close to around being at episode 10 which is crazy because i feel like i just started this a few days ago so i hope you guys have been enjoying if you're out there if you're listening i hope you're enjoying and today we're gonna be thinking about a kind of it's not I'm not saying like it's a deep topic because it's not that deep like it's not that it's not serious nothing is that serious but it's definitely like something this is gonna be more of an episode where I'm like talking about something I've been wondering about and thinking about rather than like listing my favorite albums <laughs> so or like reacting to whatever like it's not gonna be like that it's still gonna be fun but um yeah so I let's give you some backstory on how my mind works and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that this is similar I'm definitely someone who would categorize themselves as an overthinker Specifically, I will think about every possible situation 
think about every possible outcome. I will plan for all kinds of things that could happen. Um, I'm not very good at waiting because if I'm waiting for long periods of time, then things can get a little out of control in my brain with my thoughts because I think I overthink. So if I'm waiting, that is a breeding ground for me to be like, Oh, well, what's going on? And what if this and blah, 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 blah. Um, but not only that, cause I feel like that's like a, you know, that's the baseline what we expect when we hear someone saying they're an overthinker, stuff like that. Anxiety, but not, I mean, it's not always anxiety. Sometimes it's overthinking happily, which to me is more like romanticizing. Okay. And this is a big thing for me as well. It used to be a lot more of a thing when I was growing up. Now I romanticize differently, but growing up, I used to, you know, I mean, if we're going way back as a little kid, you know, and I'm sure almost everyone did this, like you play pretend, you invent little games and little stories with your friends and you play out different characters of your favorite shows or whatever. Like, that's just what kids do. Like, that's what they do. Well, not anymore now. They just play Fortnite. But um, back in my day, we would have been playing Fortnite in the park. <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, romanticizing and then also like, you know, getting older, romanticizing turned into what I'm thinking about is life in a way that is unrealistic almost because sort of fantastical in a way um you know being at a coffee shop and locking eyes with like a stranger for just long enough that you can <laughs> invent that they are in love with you and that you love them and that you could have this whole life and <laughs> what if they came up to me and blah 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 what if I went to the bathroom and they they left a note on the book that I was reading that said hey here's my phone number I saw you reading which that did actually happen to me one time and then it ended up being like a 14 year old girl. And I was like, so I'm like 20, <laughs> but um, anyway, that's besides the point. The point I'm making is I overthink things. I romanticize things in my brain. Good memories tend to be even better than they were. Bad ones tend to be even worse, etc. All those things. And like when I'm trying to get myself to go to sleep every night, I, well, not every night, but a lot of nights when I'm like laying down, I'm like, okay, it's time to sleep. And like, I have trouble falling asleep. Something that helps is imagining little stories, storylines in my head. And then eventually I'm like playing out the storyline and then I just fall asleep and I, yeah. So, so even almost every night I have these little fantasy little stories and a lot of the times it's something like something so simple as I have a house in the wilderness and there's a big garden and we're off the grid and it's beautiful <laughs> it's not like crazy all the time so I, there's and it's funny because I'll like revisit the same 
kind of thing and I'll be like oh well this is the house we have and this is what this room looks like and if you walk down this path there's this over here and so like every night it's almost like exploring a different area and I'm like inventing whatever you get the picture there's just a level of fantasy a level of all of this and yeah and I used to I think I mentioned this I used to like if I knew that I was going to have an important conversation I would kind of run out the scenario and like well if I said this what would happen like this what if we met here what if I did this like and before important conversations I would kind of try to generate an outcome that was favorable based on like running scenarios over and over in my head that thankfully I don't do almost at all anymore because that was absolutely terrible it was ruining a lot of things for me but that's a totally different topic I'm setting all this up to get into something else, which is this conversation about overthinking and romanticizing when it comes to romantic love. Okay, so I was watching a movie the other night called Summer of 85, and it was nothing all that spectacular. I mean, it was good, but it was nothing all that spectacular. And then there was this one part towards the end of the movie where this conversation was happening between these two characters and I was like oh oh my gosh that was so interesting and and it was one of those things that was like it's a movie based off a book so I was like that has to be directly from the book because the you know because authors are smarter (laughs) but anyway so here's the conversation yeah I guess I'll give you some backstory there's a boy and two friends I'm super oversimplifying. There's a boy. Two friends are into him. They both like kind of have a relationship with him and then he dies. Okay. So that it's, it's a love triangle, but the connecting unit dies. Okay. That's the context. Also. Yeah. Spoilers. Sorry, but (laughs) whatever. So here's the quote. Here's the conversation. I think from the start, it wasn't David you loved. It was your idea of David. The truth is you loved a face and a body into which you put the person you wanted, the friend of your dreams, other person. So he didn't really exist. First person, maybe not other person. That's ridiculous. David existed. I was with him. I slept with him. So did you original person. Yes, someone existed, but not the person we thought. Other person. So we invent the people we love. Okay, so I don't know if you're following. This girl is saying to her friend, maybe you weren't in love with the actual person, but you were in love with the person he became in your mind. And so the guy asks at the end, so we fall in love with like our invented people in our brain. That's his question. And the scene like literally like ends there. So there's no answer necessarily. But yeah, he says, so we invent the people we love question mark. So this was really interesting. I found this really interesting. And obviously, like, I think a lot of people have probably heard like someone in some kind of relationship after it's over or or maybe during it, someone has said to you like, you're not in love with the person you're in love with the idea of them. And I, I have heard that a couple of times and 
honestly, I never really, like, it never really clicked with me, like, what does that mean until I was, like, kind of watching this movie. Because the way they lay it out here is so interesting. You know, when I've heard you're in love with the idea of someone, it didn't make sense to me because I'm like, well, where's the idea of them coming from? Like, what do you mean the idea of them? Like, we, if this is how they are, that's where the idea of them is coming from. So I heard this and I started to think about like, okay, so if subconsciously, if we're not aware, we are falling in love with people the way we invent them in our minds. And I said romantically at the beginning of this, but honestly, it could be a friend too. But I was really focused romantically with all this. But I was like, if that is true, if we're inventing people and falling in love with the invented person over the real person, what are the things that are affecting and shaping our view of love and of that person? What are, what are the things that are making us invent other people? And you know, there's some obvious ones. So let's start there. Uh, easy, low hanging fruit. Like I asked you guys about this and I'm going to talk about some of your responses at the end, but a lot of people said this. And again, this was the first one I thought of your parents' relationship. So your parents' relationship, it just is obvious. Like that's what we grow up seeing. And so that is going to shape and color our view of how we see our own relationships or how we see other people's relationships. And, you know, it's, again, it's like obvious. I have friends that their parents are divorced and I experience them as having a sort of, I'm going to use the word freedom, but I don't know if that's perfect. They have a freedom around leaving a relationship if it becomes unuseful for them that I find a lot of some of my other friends who their parents are married maybe don't have so some people would say well that person has like commitment issues which may be true as well but I chose freedom because it's like I'm almost seeing choosing to see it in a positive way and be like well it's interesting you know like maybe since they didn't have an experience of like a really good marriage or like maybe their parents were happy, but obviously it wasn't working. And so they see their relationships very fluidly and it's like, well, if it's not working out, then it's not working out. But then that also begs the question, well, is any relationship going to perfectly work out? And so that person maybe just is like leaving when things get hard. So there's like a, obviously a double edged sword to that. But then obviously I, I also know people that I feel like, you know, from an outside perspective, which is almost useless. I see their relationship. And I'm like, why are these people together? And I'm like, these people couldn't be more different. I don't get it. I don't understand. Obviously, I'm not in the relationship, so I shouldn't understand. But yeah, I have an experience of them that's like, well, why don't they like, why are they still dating after all this time? I feel like they're such a weird match. Oh, well. But I wonder, you know, they have parents that are like 
you know, divorce is not an option, then it could be harder for them to get out of a relationship if they didn't want to be in it. Or maybe they don't even see it as I don't want to be in it. Maybe they're like, well, these are just two people that are a little different and they're going to work because we want it to work. I don't know. It's very weird. There's all kinds of sides. What you're going to find out about this episode is that I'm really not going to make any almost any specific claims. I'll make some like very specific, like, well, this is what I think we should take away. But this is very unstructured. Like, this is just what I've been thinking about this week. And I don't have a lot of answers. It's not necessarily that I need answers. I just was like, "Mm, this is all very interesting. And I wanted to share. So, so yeah, parents relationship, obviously that's going to be a huge thing that affects the way we see all of our relationships just because that's how it works. Another thing that a lot of people also said and I felt like was super easy to grasp was like media, obviously, um, Disney generation. We, you know, well, I'm not going to speak for all of us. I definitely felt like I was growing up thinking that there was like one true love out there and, that was definitely a Disney. That was just definitely the work of Disney in my life. And as much as I think an aspect of that is true, I think a lot of disappointment will come from expecting that there's a true love's kiss to use their own words, like waiting somewhere because these are all human beings and people So I think the media we consume is also like a huge factor. And then again, well, actually, I'm not going to get into that yet. I'm not going to get into that quite yet. But um, yeah, so media, books was a huge thing. A lot of people said books. And then obviously the current social norms. So one thing that I was listening to recently was Emma Chamberlain's podcast. Give me a dollar for every day I can go without talking about Emma Chamberlain. I'd be broke. But anyway, I was listening to her podcast about is marriage outdated very interesting very interesting and also spoiler she said it wasn't outdated but it was still interesting so before you're like oh my gosh it's not outdated how could you say that um because y'all be coming for me in my dms all the time but anyway the current social norms are definitely gonna play a part in how our relationships are viewed and played out because like right now i feel like there's a i mean for a long time it's been you're born, you go to school, you go to college, you graduate, you get married, you have a family, like that's everything. And now I definitely feel like, although people are still getting married, it's definitely not the same kind of pressure. And I don't feel people like, running right out of college to find their soulmate immediately like I feel like there's definitely a shift and people are more curious to look introspectively at themselves before they get really serious so I don't know those are all things to think about all like again what I was thinking about was what kind of things shape and affect our view of relationships. But what I really wanted to get into, those are all side notes. What I really wanted to get into was going back to what the movie was talking about. 
specifically our own fantasies getting involved with our view of the world specifically in our love interests. So going back to media, one of my favorite movies of all time is call me by your name. And that movie is very romanticized. It is a completely poetic and exaggerated artistic view of a relationship in Italy in the eighties. Like literally it it is, it is outrageously over exaggerated and perfect in from a, from an artistic standpoint, intentionally so, but watching that movie, if you expect that to happen in your life, it will never happen. Like it's just not because it's not real. It's not real. And that's not the point. It's a movie. Movies aren't real. Hi. Movies aren't real. However, when we experience things like that, media, books, movies, music, and then get fixated and then have these fantasies like things can start to get messy. Obviously in that movie, Call Me By Your Name, the main characters like musician, poet, super artsy guy growing up that was like me sort of I wrote poetry that no one cared about and also I hardly ever shared it so it didn't really matter but I was very like you know misunderstood like artist you know that whole thing and I had a friend in Honestly, this might have been after high school. I'm not sure, but I had a friend. No, it was like senior year. I had a friend who took an interest in my poetry, okay? And I don't remember how it started, but somehow he took an interest in my poetry. And he started to give me prompts to write poems, okay? And it wasn't necessarily to write poems about him, but it was like, he was like, I had this idea, write a poem about it. And I was like, okay, work. And I had never had that experience with someone. And so I started to write these poems and they were about him in my brain, sort of, kind of. But the very fact that this was happening, this like situation where there was a boy that was giving me poetry prompts and I was writing poetry for him. It was like, you know, a fantasy. And he had never expressed any interest in me. Like romantic interest. We're friends, but he's never shown any romantic interest in me. He's never even shown any interest that I've known of like interest in men. So I have zero reason to believe this could be romantic. But I had seen Call Me By Your Name when this happened to me. And it felt like that kind of thing. And I kept being drawn back to that movie and being like, oh my gosh, this is just like the main characters in that movie. Like, And so very quickly in my mind, this became a huge romantic fantasy. Like I just completely fell in love with this guy. But we, I had, I had no reason to. None. None at all. And that got me in a lot of hurt later because he was not into me 
and I, you know, let my fantasy be like, well, I thought you were like this and I thought, you know, all of this meant this, but really that was just me being in my head and romanticizing what was happening because of a movie. And so, yeah, so like, that's sort of what I'm talking about. If you're someone who romanticizes a lot like me, you're going to fill these empty gaps in whatever, in a relationship, in a, you know, if you meet someone for the first time, you're going to go home and, and those empty gaps where you're not with that person or where that person's not filling information, you're going to auto-generate if you're a romanticizer like me. And oftentimes that is completely unwarranted because you either don't know the person enough or the fantasies you're creating are so specific that, or just so unrealistic that a, no one's going to be able to live up to them and B that might not even be who that person is, but you've already decided that's who they are because in your head you've made this fantasy and that's how they are. And so then that's how they are. And so when you see them the next time you're operating out of that place if you meet someone for the first time and you're like, oh my God, there's a spark. And then you go home and for the rest of the week, you're like dreaming about them and like thinking about them and inventing all these things like, oh my gosh, we would do this and the blah, 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 blah. You're going to see them the next time. And all of those fantasies, you're going to be looking for them and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, is this, you know, if you had said, like, I'm totally making this up. But like, if in that week you were like, oh my God, we would go on, you know, dates and like lay on a blanket and read books like in front of a waterfall that's, you know, near your house, whatever. I literally, I'm making this up. And then you go see that person again for the second time. And you're like, oh my God, like, do you like books? Like we should go reading sometime. And they're like, oh, you know what? I love reading, but I, I can't do it in public. Like I only like reading when I have no distractions, like in my room, blah, blah, blah. And that's going to be like hard for you to swallow because you've had this whole fantasy that is like real. So it's like you have a heartbreak over something that literally didn't even exist. And then you're actually going to be blocking yourself off from that person saying that and then being like, oh, that's great. Like we could still talk about books. Like that was not, do you see what I'm saying? That other person was not like, no, I hate reading. It was like the reading, this is just so made up. I hope this makes sense to anyone. <laughs> What if y'all are in my DMs being like, you, none of us were following anything you were saying this whole time. My point is, you love reading, you have a fantasy that he's going to read with you at a lake. She's going to read with you at the library. Then they're like, I can only read in my room. You still can read with them. You still can talk about books and like access that part of like what you would want in someone but it's not going to be in the way that you thought it was. And since you spent all this time like romanticizing about it, it will hurt for no reason because there was absolutely no reason for you to do that. Let me get, let me get vulnerable. Let me get really explicit about like an example of this. I've been aware of this in my life for a while, so I try not to do it as much, but there is one way that I still do this and super frustrating my boyfriend his family lives an hour away from us and he goes and visits them often okay because he's great 
And there is a way that he could drive home and pass my house on his way back from his family's house. Okay. And when we first started dating, he, you know, did that a lot. Not every time, but he did it a lot. But he doesn't do it as often anymore. And it's because he has a job and he works all the time. And when he's leaving his family's house and he has to drive an hour, what he wants to do is drive home and get into bed (laughs) and go to sleep. (laughs) He doesn't want to stop and take extra time to like come to my house and like, you know, see me for five seconds and then leave when I'm just going to see him the next day. You know what I mean? So, but sometimes I get in my head and I romanticize and I'll, especially if I have a super minor inconvenience happen, like I'll be like, texting him and be like oh this super upsetting thing like happened this is so annoying but it's like not really that bad and he'll be like oh I'm so sorry like whatever and then in my head I'll be like oh my gosh I wish he would just stop here on his way home and like give me a hug and like it's fine and then I'll get a text from him that he's like, okay, I'm driving home. And then so for the next hour, I'll be like, oh my God, is he going to show up? Is he going to wait a little bit? bit, bit, Like, (laughs) and then he'll text me and be like, I'm home. And I was like, I'm like, okay, cool, cool. So I'm devastated. And how dumb is that? Because (laughs) it's just not realistic because in his head, like he's not making a decision not to stop because he's like, I don't want to see him. Like, I don't like what's happening is it's like well why would you you know stop for five seconds to come say hi just so for me to like then go to bed and I'm probably gonna see you tomorrow anyway and we're gonna hang out for five hours like you know like it's that kind of thing so that's me trying to get specific to narrate this is like I get in my head for that hour when he's like I'm on my way home and I'm like oh my gosh like what if he I'm going to look out the window and see his headlights and, and oh my gosh. And then that happens for an hour. And then he texts me that he's back at his house and I'm like hurt, even though nothing happened to me. I have no reason to be upset. Like nothing happened. The absence of something happened. Like nothing happened. Literally nothing happened. That's why I'm upset because something didn't happen. But that thing was never said. Like, if I wanted him to stop, like, really, and I was like, can you stop and see me on my my way home? I have absolutely zero doubt in my head that he would stop. Zero doubt. But I wouldn't say that because I live in this fantasy world and I romanticize everything. And if I say that, then it's not going to line up with my fantasy. Because he just has to show up. Like, because he's overcome with love and blah. Like, that is, to me, that's what I see happening in this movie like that's what I see them trying to like get at is like these fantasies are going to turn these other people into someone that you think they are but they aren't or just things are gonna not happen that you're gonna think should should have happened because of a fantasy and then you're gonna be disappointed disappointed that's a good like it's about disappointment getting disappointed by real people because you had a fantasy about them in your head like is ridiculous it's absolutely crazy because people can't like people will not live up to your perfect expectation in your head that you created for them like 
no one, not one person. There is no one. There's not a perfect match that's going to do that every time. But here's the thing. There is someone that is going to do it in their way. And that's what I started thinking about is, is really the biggest thing that we stand to lose from making these fantasies is stealing the opportunity for your romantic partner to actually surprise you and to actually do something that really touches you and something that's in their like way. Everyone has a unique way that they choose to express love or appreciation for something. And there's certain ways that we all like to be appreciated. And that's like, you know, five love languages, all that. And everyone's are different and et cetera, et cetera. But like, if you have these fantasies or expectations, it's going to block you from receiving the most honest and genuine aspects of your partner expressing love to you. Does that make sense? I feel like you're smart enough to figure that out. Yeah, it's going to it's going to stop the unique expression from happening. And instead, you're just going to like recreate all these fantasies that you had in your head that really like they're generated by you. And so they still should be, you know, you should be in tune and say, oh, well, I would like to do this. But it's not going to be some kind of like it's just going to happen necessarily like make it happen. Then, yeah, it's not going to be as romantic and it's not going to be as like fantastical but we aren't living in a fantasy world this is real life so yeah so these fantasies are like setting an expectation for love and i feel like a lot of that comes from again going back to media a lot of you said fan fiction which girl that is a whole nother issue but anyway yeah it's like movies books fan fiction music whatever is people sharing their most, you know, beautiful romantic moments a lot of the times. And then you're going to be like, wow, I wish that would happen to me. But it's not going to happen the way that it happened to them. And if you're open to it, and if you're able to turn off your fantasies and be present and be open to an authentic, like, genuine love connection, instead of trying to, like, recreate a fantasy, that's when you're going to have your real moments that you're going to want to turn into a movie and it might not look exactly how you thought but it will feel how you how you thought because it will feel like magic so that's when that stuff like really happens um this is a weird side note but i thought about this i have this weird thing about holidays a lot of holidays i dislike because it puts this really strange expectation on a lot of things. So we're talking about love. I mean, this happens multiple times, not just with love, but to stick within the topic, Valentine's Day. If you are a couple on Valentine's Day, there's an expectation that's being set by society, by holidays, to post about your significant other on every social media, to take them on a really nice date, to do this really fun thing. And like, all that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But I often get annoyed because it puts an expectation that sometimes is unrealistic and it gets annoying because this is an arbitrary 
day that is like literally meaningless except for it's on a calendar and then suddenly if you don't do something you're a terrible couple you know what i mean so and again it's like well if you feel like valentine's day and like doing something on valentine's day is like hard then maybe you're in the wrong relationship but that's not the point i'm trying to make the point i'm trying to make is a holiday can be a fantasy that will leave you disappointed so it's not even about being like, oh, we're anti-Valentine's Day. It's like literally just have a realistic expectation of life. What can you make work? What can you not? You know, does that make sense? I'm literally, guys, if I'm literally just rambling and none of this makes any sense, I'm going to be editing this and going to be like, wow, I'm going to delete the whole thing. Not really. But okay. So when I heard this quote in this movie, you know, do we invent the people we fall in love with? Going back to the original quote. It immediately, immediately, immediately made me think about another famous movie book quote. And that is going to be, I know you guys know this one. Well, probably. Uh, from Perks of Being a Wallflower, we accept the love we think we deserve. Okay. Okay. Remember this one? Yep. Uh-huh. So I immediately started thinking about this because... Obviously, what I was just talking about was, like, us creating these good fantasies that then leave us disappointed or keep us from experiencing a more true love expression. This quote is very different in that this quote implies that our view of ourselves affects our view of love and specifically negatively. So... You know, this isn't rocket science, I don't I don't think. I think you guys know I'm going with this. We accept the love we think we deserve. So if we think we aren't the best, we will accept being treated poorly because it seems like, well, that's all we could ever get. And that's the point of the movie. If you have not seen that movie, definitely go watch it. Definitely go watch it. I can't speak for the book, but... Go watch the movie. Great, great movie. But it's very interesting. It's like, do you think that's true? Do we accept the love we think we deserve? And I think yes, but it's not always so obvious. It's not going to be one thing all the time. Like, we go in phases of feeling amazing about ourselves, and we go in phases of feeling terrible about ourselves. And what would be great is if even when our expectations of what we deserve are low, they were overshadowed by the people we're with rather than met. Because if we're thinking of ourselves terribly and people meet our expectations or meet what we deserve, they're probably not treating us very well. And that's why I always feel like I have such great friends because I often feel like I am a bad friend. I often leave people undelivered, leave people unread. I often don't return text messages and just completely forget. I often don't text people at all. I just feel, I feel like a bad friend all the time. And it's because I'm busy. It's because I'm overwhelmed. It's because I don't prioritize them enough. It's because I don't see their value all the time. But they always 
stick around and they always continue to pursue me. And it's amazing because even when I, because when I think, oh my God, I'm such a bad friend. What is that going to create in me to do if I'm not careful? Literally to continue to treat them badly because I'm like, I don't deserve them. So I'll just let them, you know, be. But then they show up and they're, they FaceTime me and just talk to me randomly. And I'm like, wow, you are incredible. My, my, they could have just gone on saying nothing because I'm saying nothing, but they didn't. And so now I'm like, they're incredible. This is amazing. And they overshadowed my low expectations because I was treating myself badly. And then what is that going to do? Well, then that's going to make me be like, wow, they are so incredible. Like, let's pick ourselves up and figure this thing out. Obviously, this might not be what the movie is like. (laughs) The movie quote is talking about necessarily. Like, but I feel like the meaning is pretty obvious it, in the context of the movie. It's like, if you're in a bad relationship, people are going to try and pull you out because you think it's what you deserve, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm talking about like using this as an encouragement, almost like your relationships, your friends, your significant others, whatever. If they are expecting little from you because they are feeling bad about themselves, blow them away with the way you could show up for them. And then they will react in a way where they pick themselves up and start to see themselves in a way where they want to be deserving of you. So it's almost like a reverse engineer. It's like if we accept the love we think we deserve, if someone loves you, even in a place when you feel undeserving, what's going to happen is you're going to strive to be deserving of that treatment. Oh, that's the one. That's the one. Was that good? (laughs) You guys are like, Ethan, we know. You're like, that wasn't that good. That wasn't that deep. No, yeah, but like, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's this whole thing. Shut down the fantasies, shut down the expectations, and just love everyone the best that you can in the most honest, genuine way you can, and then pick each other up, build each other up in that way, and then when it's your turn, when you're in your low place, they're going to want to do the same to you because... If we accept the love we think we deserve, then we're all going to try to be better and deserve the love we're being given. Because I think, especially when talking about ourselves, we give everyone else so much more grace than we give ourselves. If we mess up, it's like, at least for me, this is how it is. If I mess up, I'm like, cool, you monster, you're absolutely terrible. How could you do that? Devastating. And if someone else does it, I'm like really mad for one day and I'm writing evil, mean songs about them. And then the next day I'm like, Oh my God, but it's like literally fine. (laughs) Unless it's, unless it's really bad. Like, you know, we're putting toxic behavior aside and we're saying like normal circumstances. If someone ghosts me, if someone, you know, changes plans on me, like if someone, whatever, I'm going to be mad for a little bit. I'm going to be in my feels. And then I'm going to be like, you know what though? It's cool. It's fine. And then next time I see them, I'm going to be like, if it's really a thing, I'll bring it up. Be like, I didn't love when you did this. Like, if someone ghosts you, it's like, okay, then just try again. Be like, hey, it's totally fine that that didn't end up working out. Do you want to set something else up? Like, it's not a big deal, you know? It's not a big deal. And then they're going to be like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Because if someone ghosts you, they're aware of it, okay? They're aware of it. This literally just happened to me, not to get super specific, but 
I have someone that I'm really close with and I made loose plans with them that were important to me and exciting for me. And then they didn't happen and I didn't hear anything about it from that person. Like it just didn't happen. Okay. And I didn't say anything either because I knew they were busy with other people. And so I was like, well, that just must have been what they wanted and it's fine. And I was a little bitter and I was a little upset. And then I saw them a few days after. And when I saw them, I was like, you know what? But it's not a big deal. And they are important to me and I love them. So I was asking them about their week, the week that we were supposed to hang out and didn't. And I didn't hear anything about it. And they ended up being like, hey, and I'm so sorry that I didn't say anything. I ended up being a lot busier than I thought I was going to be. And there was too much on my plate. I'm so sorry. And it's like, yeah, that's great. And then it made me just want to be there for that person even more and like be involved with them even more. Like, and that's all it took was both of us being like, you know what though? We love each other and it's fine. And then it gets over all of that. So I feel like if we invent the people we fall in love with, unless we're, you know, careful about it. If we invent the people we fall in love with and we accept the love we think we deserve, it's just all about being intentional with who we're creating in our mind, making sure that it's not someone that doesn't exist and it's the real person. And then seeing everyone else as someone who deserves to be encouraged and loved. And then we'll all just raise our own standards together, I guess. I, guys, I don't know. I warned you at the beginning. I just, I have no, I have no specific outcome. I just was like, okay, let's ramble about this and talk about it. This is what I've been thinking about. So, um, but let me see, let me see. I'm going to look at the replies to my story and read some specific ones. Yeah. So one of you said fan fiction and Barbie movies shaped the way you see love. First of all, I don't think you did anything wrong. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly where that's supposed to come from. No, but yeah, again, going back to the media, it's like fan fiction and Barbie movies. So, and you know what? We all are princes and princesses, but that's not the point. Another one that said fiction is the biggest thing that shapes their view of love and relationships. Parents, people around you, your friends' relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one says I idealize because I was taught I needed to be perfect to be loved. And now I project that. So that's interesting. I wonder if they mean they project someone needs to be perfect to be loved, meaning like they assume the person they're with is perfect until proven otherwise, then it's probably pretty devastating. Um, and that goes back to the fantasizing thing. It's like in our fantasies, everyone's perfect. We're not fantasizing about bad things happening to us. So when you fantasize about people romantically, it's like, well, they're going to disappoint you and hurt you so much more often because they're not perfect, just like you aren't. And so, yeah, enough said. Someone said their relationship with Jesus shapes how they view love, which is interesting because I wonder what other religions would say about like, how their view is their view of love is 
impacted by their religious views. Obviously, I don't know a lot about other religions in that way because I've only been a part of Christianity. But I agree with with the view of Jesus affects it, especially in my life, because I feel like I'm really easy to forget. Well, not easy. That's not people that know me are laughing because I was about to say I'm easily forgiving. That's not true. What I'm, I'm, I, (laughs) I need to choose my words carefully. I feel like I will forgive people a lot if there's someone that I think loves me. And I think that's the caveat. If I don't think that person loves me, I will never forgive them. Never. If I don't think they want my forgiveness, they will never be forgiven. And that's where I'm struggling. But if it's a person that I really love and really feel like they love me, I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to forgive them every time, every time, every time, sometimes toxically. And I feel like that's because growing up, it was like, well, Jesus, God forgives us infinitely. And that is like such a huge part of Christianity. So I feel like that definitely played into my life. And I feel like there's a positive and a negative to that because I feel like there were definitely times I needed to stop forgiving people. But at the same time, like, I don't know. It's interesting. See, like, I I don't have all the answers. I just think it's interesting. Anyway, let's see what else you guys said. Yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) I just looked through all of them and a lot of them, a lot of you responded with things that were really interesting, but they were very specific to you. So I don't want to, I don't want to give it away and blast you all over the internet. Um, but to everyone that responded every time, not just this time, but every time you respond, I love reading your responses. I adore it. It brings me so much joy. I love to know that there's someone listening. I love to know that you guys are interested in what's going on. And I hope that even if I didn't share your answer, you hear me saying this and saying like, you're a part of this because you make me think and you lead me to thinking new other things. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for always responding. Please keep responding. And if you're listening right now and you want to join the conversation for next time and you want to be involved when I ask the next question or ask you for your thoughts for this podcast next time, just make sure you're following me on Instagram at Ethan Rank. And I post randomly on my story, usually with some really pretentious picture of the sky or a tree or flowers and then asking some kind of crazy (laughs) like what do you think about love what is the best movie of the year and then it's like oh my god we're in the field with the flowers and the trees and the pretty sky but anyway um yeah so thanks for listening and i hope please if you enjoyed this episode more than ever tell me because (laughs) I need to know if that was just a rampage or if that actually had cognitive thought and was useful. So anyway, thanks for listening, but um, I'll see you guys next time.